Welcome to Practical Christian Living. This is one of the biggest things that we want to evaluate in our own lives. We want to make sure that if we're going to talk down something, that we are not doing that very same thing. And we want to make sure that if there's a struggle in our lives, that we aren't coming against somebody that has that very same struggle. The Bible says that the mercy that we give is the mercy that we're going to receive. Walk the walk and talk the talk. Today on Practical Christian Living, we are talking about living real and being real and making sure we don't preach one thing and then live another. We're in our series, Jesus Appointments, and we're looking at why Jesus dealt his harshest words toward the Pharisees. We're in Matthew 23, 1 through 39. Here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson. Lord, we take time now to open up our Bibles and to look at what you say, especially today as we hear the words of Jesus as he speaks to people about the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and how we don't want to be pharisaical. Lord, we pray that you would help us, that if we have any of that in us, that we would work it out, that we would not be that kind of a person. We know that you kept your harshest words for Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and lawyers. Lord, we don't want to be those people. We want to be your church. We want to reflect you. We want to react and respond the way that you would react and respond. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So today we're going to talk about how to not be a Pharisee. And it's a good topic. I am afraid that church, and church, of course, is not buildings, right? It's the people that are in the church. I'm afraid that church is becoming more and more pharisaical. We find our fulfillment in being religious, and we need to make sure that we don't become Pharisees in trying to find our fulfillment in some religious ceremony or some ritual that we do, reading our Bible daily or going to church. I don't believe that it's just an evangelical problem, but I believe that evangelicals are a part of it as well, that if Jesus were to come in our midst, often when you read the book of Revelation and you look at the letters written to the churches, I wonder what Jesus would say to the modern-day evangelical church today, and if it might not be that we become agenda setters, that we've become rule makers, that we've become people that like the law and like to push the law upon people. And um, I would love for the Lord to really speak to us today along these lines. The people Jesus had the most confrontations with were the religious people, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the lawyers. The crazy thing about this is they were radically different. The Pharisees and the scribes were completely different politically, theologically. They did not agree with each other, but they came together when it came to Jesus. And throughout the New Testament, Jesus confronts them and he challenges them and speaks against them. He was far more accepting of who the religious people called sinners and he revealed that there was this self-righteous, prideful sin that Jesus pointed out as being worse than what they called sinners. And so I wanted to do this, and there were a lot of different texts that we could have gone to because throughout all four of the Gospels, you find Jesus having a confrontation with these different groups. 
And finally, when I got to Matthew 23, even though as we're making our way through the appointment series, we're kind of still in the middle, the beginning middle of the ministry of Jesus. This is near the end that he finally, you know, unleashes on these guys. But it sums up all of them so well that I thought it would be good for us to look at seven things that we don't want to do in order to be Pharisees. So the first thing is that we don't want to be hypocrites because the Pharisees were. So in Matthew 23, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So he says this not to the scribes and Pharisees. We know that they're around because of the confrontation that happens afterwards. But he says to the people that are there and he says to the disciples that the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. That is to say that they are watching over them spiritually, that they have been handed the law to take care of the law. And this is before Jesus fulfilled the law. You and I don't give sacrifices anymore because Jesus became our sacrifice. He gave his life as our sacrifice. You and I don't have priests anymore because Jesus became our high priest that gave our sacrifice. You and I don't keep the Sabbath because Jesus is our Sabbath. If you want to keep a Sabbath, more power to you, you can do it. That's what Romans tells us, that one man puts one day above another and another man has all days alike. And who are you to judge another man's servant? They either stand or fall before God. But Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that Jesus has become our sacrifice. So the law would be done away with, not because it was bad, not because it passed away, but because Jesus fulfilled the law. He finished the law. He said, not one jot or tittle of the law will pass away until it is completed, until it is fulfilled. And he fulfilled it. And therefore, Hebrews, Galatians, Romans all tell us that we are not under the law, that we have been set free from the law. And I mean, that becomes so evident because we have ham sandwiches. We eat lobster. And yet there are still people who will try to pick and choose and say, you have to follow this portion of the law. They will rewrite the law. It's exactly like the Pharisees. They will rewrite the law to make it say what they want it to say. And then they'll tell you that you're breaking God's word when you are breaking what they're rewriting. When they say that we shouldn't meet on Saturday and not on Sunday because that was the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day was never about going to the synagogue. It was about the sun going down on Friday night and Shabbat starting and having a Shabbat meal that you remembered what God did. And there were all kinds of things in the Shabbat meal that they had every Friday that would speak of the faithfulness of God. And then it was about taking Saturday until the time that the sun went down and resting and remembering God, putting your mind upon God instead of working. That is what the Sabbath day was all about. So they'll say, well, you don't go to church on Saturday, therefore you're breaking the Sabbath day. So you rewrote the Sabbath, now you're telling me I'm breaking God's law. No, I'm breaking your law. I'm breaking you rewriting them. And that's the one thing that we need to be very careful of. So they sit in Moses' seat. And so Jesus says, therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. They have the authority, they're there, do what they say. But do not do according to their works. For they say, and they do not do. They are hypocrites. This is one of the biggest things that we want to evaluate in our own lives. We want to make sure that if we're going to talk down something, that we are not doing that very same thing. And we want to make sure that if there's a struggle in our lives, that we aren't coming against somebody that has that very same struggle. 
The Bible says that the mercy that we give is the mercy that we're going to receive. The way we judge other people is the way that we are going to be judged. And we just want to be real. We want to be who we are. There's something inside of us and I don't know where it comes from, but we all have to fight it and we all have to deal with it at one point in our Christian walks where we want people around us to think that we're super spiritual. There's just something inside of us. We go through those phases where we just want to act in such a way that we act like we're spiritual. And it's so easy then to cross over that line and become a hypocrite, to start acting like you are superior, that you are better than someone else when we're going to see in a moment how important it is for us to be humble. So they were hypocrites, and that's acting, acting one way, talking in spiritual tones, making sure that your speech has all kinds of Christianese in it all of the time. And I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm not saying you shouldn't do them. All I'm saying is that we should evaluate why am I doing it? Am I doing this to be seen by men? Am I doing it because I really feel this way and I'm sincere about it? Or am I doing it because I want people to think how spiritual I am? The second thing that he says is that they are agenda setters. The first is that they were hypocrites. They give these things and they don't do them. So don't do as they do, do as they say. In verse four, it says, they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, they lay them on men's shoulders and they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. They lay heavy burdens on men. You must do this. You should do that. You have to do this. By the way, that's generally easy preaching. Just to come on people and, and give them the you ought to, you should, you need to, you've got to, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. You horrible, awful Christians that aren't praying enough, you're not reading your Bible enough, you're not loving God enough, you're not you're witnessing enough. That's easy preaching. You, you can put a sermon together like that really easy. It's a lot harder to encourage people to read the scriptures, to encourage them to pray, to encourage them to find the value that there is in all of those things. But there are all kinds of heavy burdens that are laid on people's back. They were doing it and we do it today. We tell people the kind of things that they should do. We become agenda setters and we need to be careful about that. I don't know whether or not you're an agenda setter, but if you've ever had an agenda setter in your life, then you know what it's like. Years ago, I had a friend who would take me to lunch and whenever he would take me to lunch, I knew there was going to come a point in that lunch where he said something like this. God has been speaking to me about you know, whatever, praying more or answering phone calls. I remember he told me one time, God's been speaking to me about the importance of returning phone calls. And um, then, he, then he would come to, you should do that as well. And I got to the point where I would say, well, God's speaking to you about it. He's not speaking to me. Seems to me that you should. And that if God wants to speak to me, God's got my phone number. Now, I think you can get a little resistant to how the Holy Spirit might be working. But we want to be careful that if we're going to lay burdens on people's back that they really are in Scripture, that the Bible directs us to take care of the poor, to take care. It says that pure and undefiled religion is to take care of widows and orphans. That's the kind of burdens that we should be looking at. And those kind of burdens aren't heavy. It's what we're able to do. But we put burdens on people's back and again, don't help them to lift it. We look superior as if we know what the burdens are to lay on them. That's exactly what these agenda setters did. The third is do not do your works to be seen by men. This is not the only place that Jesus brings this up. Here's what he says in verse five. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad 
enlarge the borders of their garment. They love the best places in feasts, the best seats in the synagogue, greetings in the marketplace, and to be called rabbi, rabbi, by you. Do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father who is in heaven. And do not be called teacher, for one is your teacher who is Christ. Jesus also said in Matthew chapter 5 that these Pharisees did things in front of men to be seen by men, that they stood up to pray and they prayed thus to themselves, that they blew trumpets before they gave. They wore scriptures on their foreheads and on the back of their hands. There's an Old Testament passage where God says, bind my word on your forehead and on your hand. And I don't know. I think an argument could be made that he wasn't talking about putting scriptures, handwritten scriptures out, attaching them to a box. That's what a phylactery is. Attaching them to a box, attaching that to your forehead or to the back of your hand. You still see them today in Israel. They still do it. But I wonder if they're really living out what they're finding there. God was saying, put my word on your mind. Put my word in your hands. Do the things you find in my word. Think about the things that you find in my word. But we do things to be seen by people. We sit down in front of people and read our Bible. And back in the 70s, boy, that was everywhere we went, we took our Bible. If you gave your life to Christ in the 70s, then you know that's true. We took our Bible everywhere. And if someone came to Dunkin' Donuts without their Bible, we'd ask them, where's your Bible? Where's your sword, brother? How are you going to fight the good fight without your sword? And we read our Bible in front of people, and I look back at it today, and I think it's so pharisaical. It was like, you know, sitting down at Pizza Hut, going in with my Bible, every bit as big as this one. It might not have been bigger, but every bit as big as this one. Going in with my Bible, sitting down, opening up my Bible there, Pizza Hut, and reading my Bible. And thinking back to it, thinking, I bet people are looking at me reading my Bible. They know I'm a Christian. They know I'm spiritual because I can read my Bible in front of people. Now, again, I'm not telling you you can't read your Bible in front of people. I'm just asking you examine it. Examine if you're doing something to be seen by men. We talked about this a little while ago when we were talking about this very topic. And I noticed that people got a little bit antsy with it. But I think it might be good to talk about again. People that maybe kneel down and pray after they make a touchdown. Oh, I'm talking about Tim Tebow. Oh, boy. I'm in trouble now, you know. And I think his, his faith is great, and I think he makes a stand for Christ, and that's wonderful. But I'm not sure that he should be kneeling down after a touchdown in the end zone. Because Jesus said, when you pray, go in your prayer closet and pray, where God who sees you in secret will reward you openly. I know he's standing for his faith. And hey, look, he doesn't care what I say. I'll guarantee you, he doesn't care what I say. And his heart is what really matters and his heart between him and God. But we want to make sure that when we're doing something, we're not just doing it for a religious show because that's what the Pharisees did. They wanted to do it to be seen by men. So why are you doing what, the things that you do? Are you doing them because you want to be seen by men? The fourth thing that he tells that the Pharisees do is they exalt themselves. He says, but who is greatest among you shall be a servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He says, don't call people teacher. Don't call people 
father. Don't call people rabbi. And again, I years ago, somebody called me Robert after a service and somebody that was sitting close by. I told him to talk to him late afterwards. That's disrespectful. You call him Pastor Robert. You don't call him Robert. People will ask me sometimes, what do you want me to call you? And I'm like, call me Robert. <laughs> that's, that's really what I want to be called. I just, want to, I just want to be called Robert. Now, this can also become super spiritual in itself, too. Because I could stand up here and go, I don't let anybody call me pastor. I'm a pastor. When people say pastor, I say, don't you call me pastor. You're not supposed to call. It can become a spiritual, prideful thing as well. Sometimes it's best just to go, I'm just, let's just live where we are and let's move on where we are. But what Jesus is saying is we aren't to give people that exalted position. It'd be like, teacher, teacher, rabbi, rabbi, father, you know, pastor, pastor. Years ago, we were looking at buying a building from a church and um, I called up the pastor and his name was Chuck. And I said, hey, it wasn't Chuck Smith, by the way, but I called up his, his name was Chuck here in town. And I said, hey, Chuck, I wanted to get together with you on that uh, building. And he says, um, I'm a pastor and you will call me Pastor Chuck. And I was like, okay. <laughs> pastor Chuck, you want to get together? I wanted to say, you can just call me Robert, you know. But there's just something about that demand that doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right. So Jesus said, if we humble ourselves, God will exalt us. And if we exalt ourselves, then God is going to humble us. Are you exalting yourself? If you are, then the Bible says that God will be against you. And the last thing that you want, that I want, is for God to be against us. But if we humble ourselves, then God is on our side. I believe that when it comes to humbling yourself, you cannot get too humble. Get humble and be more humble and be more humble. There's just no way that you can be too humble. The fifth thing was not to block the way of salvation. Verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering in to go. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel the land to see to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much of the son of hell as yourself. That is, you don't get to heaven by keeping the law. You never did. Even in the Old Testament times, you broke the law. That's why you had to give sacrifices and the sacrifices covered your sin. The law is there to show you that you can't live it and that you need more. And so you receive Jesus as a savior. When you believe that you've arrived and that you've achieved and that you're going to show other people how they're supposed to achieve because I've arrived and let me show you how you're arrived then you are blocking people from seeing their own sin. When you know that you're a sinner that has been saved by grace and that you have received the mercy and the compassion of Christ, then you lead others along the way of the mercy and the compassion of Christ. And through their arrogance, through their, their believing that they had already arrived, they had blocked their own entrance into eternity. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He also said that some people would say, didn't we do miracles in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? And he will say, away from me, for I never knew you. 
You cannot say, I've been used by God or God's done miraculous things with me. What matters is humbling ourselves before him, calling out upon his name. And the Bible says that if you call out upon his name, you will be saved. If you receive him, that he will make you a child of God. And they were blocking the way for people to get saved because people thought that they had to be more like the Pharisees. The fifth thing that the Pharisees and Sadducees did is that they did not do the things they said. It says, woe to you, verse 16, blind guides who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obligated to perform it. Now just think about that. They were saying, if I swear by the temple, I swear by the temple, I'm telling the truth. They believed they could have been lying. In order to really be telling the truth, they had to say, I swear by the gold of the temple. It sounds like a kid's game, doesn't it? And across my heart, hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye. I'm telling the truth. They're playing games with the truth. Now, Jesus said, don't make vows, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. So you don't have to go. I swear. I promise. I promise you. I swear. Again, it's not that you can't put your hand on a Bible in a courtroom and make that vow. But Jesus is saying, be who you really are. Say the things that you say and do the things that you do. They didn't do that. They were always looking for a way, the loophole, so they could get out of doing what it was that they were supposed to be doing. He says to them, fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sacrifices the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gift on the altar is obligated to perform it. Said these tricky little things. I swear by the altar of God. And they didn't have to keep it. But if they said, I swear by the sacrifice on the altar, then they had to keep it. When I was a teenager, we had a little statement among my friends where we would say, truth is a Christian. And if they said truth is a Christian, it meant they were telling the truth. You can lie any other time. But if somebody said truth is a Christian, yeah, truth is a Christian. Then you had to be telling the truth. That's exactly what they're doing. They have these ways that they can swear by something and get away with it. Fools and blind, verse 19. For which is greater, the gift or the altar that sacrifices the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and all things that are on it. He who swears by the temple swears by the temple and him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. So they must have also had their little statement, I swear to heaven. And if they said, I swear to the throne of God, then they would keep it or, or something along those lines. The sixth is that they left out justice and mercy. They kept the law, but they were not merciful, compassionate, and kind. He says in verse 23, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites, for you pay a tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law of justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without having leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strained out a gnat to swallow a camel. Now there's a lot in that passage. They paid tithes on their spices. I don't know how much you make sure that you pay your tithe. Sometimes people will ask me, how much should I give to God? Here's a pastor's answer. All of it. 
give a complete and total sacrifice. But they were so uptight about the law that they tithed their spices and felt superior, felt justified because of it. But they were cheating people. I often say what God cares about the most between us is how we treat each other, loving God and loving one another. We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, Calvary Tucson is open and holding physical services while being mindful of social distancing guidelines. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service online at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living Radio has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or have questions about salvation? Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson and Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living Sunday mornings at 8.30 on KGUN 9 TV. May we walk worthy while we wait for the return of our Savior. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.